Welcome to the Pop on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing, probably worth a Google. Welcome to episode 255 of the podcast. Still kicking, even despite the um, end of the world, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Still kicking. Still kicking. How you doing, Bunny? You doing good? I'm I'm keeping on. I'm keeping on. Uh, yesterday, after I guess like about three-ish weeks, I I went outside. I I, I took the garbage out. Really? And I turned over my car engine because it's been sitting there for three fucking weeks for it yep. to idle for a while. Uh, and I I, I realized I I still don't like outside. Yeah. I'm I'm not well, a fan. I'm glad that you got out of the house, you know? <laughs> That's good. Bunny. Yes. I know that I know that things look grim and dark right now, and sometimes it's hard to find reasons to just be happy and to to find the strength to cheer up. But have I got some good news for you? In a new segment of the podcast that I like to call, it's time to smile with Bunny and Steve. Okay. So, <clears throat> here's a good story. A good, friendly, heartwarming story that is sure to bring a smile to your face. In Jerusalem, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Yes was built in the year 336. It has survived for decades, for centuries, and has withstood time itself. It just closed its doors due to the coronavirus, and it, it has only closed its doors one other time back in 1349 during the Black Death. Nice. Oh, wait, that's not a happy story. Shit, I screwed that up. Damn it. Fuck, this is supposed to be It's Time to Smile with Bunny and Steve. Fucked it up. Damn it. Bunny, uh, once a week, my family has uh, one knockdown, drag-out fight uh, with, with the 18-year-olds in the house. I have chronic severe asthma and at the present moment no health insurance. My kids do. My kids, my kids are covered, my kids are fine. Mm -hmm. I am not. But my teenage 18-year-olds still want to go out and see their boyfriends and hang out at their houses, which opens up our whole family to getting sick and possibly dying. And this week it was a doozy. Yeah. It was a doozy of a fight. Yeah. It 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 was pretty insane. And, uh, yeah, so my two 18-year-olds are now staying with uh, their Auntie Lauren for the duration of the quarantine. Okay. Uh, they are not staying with us for a while. They still, they still want to go out. They still want to go out and see their boyfriends and make out and go to their family and all that sort of stuff. And it's like... 
are they are they still in the will? I believe they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think you yeah. got to change that. Yeah. Maybe we should get them out of the will. Or make a will. Or make a will. Yeah, and then get them out. Of then get them out. Good yeah. Will. Does that count? Maybe. I'm gonna I'm gonna beat that dog. I'm beat the dog, but I want Retton to beat the dog. Keep working. It's because he realized that like. Oh, I and also around the block, there's another dog. So he, you know, they're Morse coding, Morse, Morse coding. Meanwhile, I'm trying not to go insane, cooped up in the house. I've been quarantined since March 12th. That was exactly one month ago. And between then and now, I went to one movie, and then I went to the liquor store once. Besides mm-hmm. that, I've been locked up at home for a whole month. And I'm just going absolutely batshit insane. And and what was I, what was that movie? What what was the last? The hunt. It was the hunt, and and I don't know. It it kind of made sense to be the last movie. Yeah, that that's what yeah. I was wondering about. Huh? That's what I was wondering about. Does it make a good, yeah. worthy last movie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It 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 made it made sense to be my last my last quarantine film, you know? Yeah. You good? What's going on? <laughs> yes. One of them is hanging. The wind is blowing it. Oh. Cool. But besides the fact that the 18-year-olds aren't in our house anymore, uh, it's been a pretty crazy week. We got a trampoline and a dog. Okay. One of those things I never wanted. One of those things Natasha never wanted. We we were... I I'm teaching Maxwell. I am Maxwell's teacher now. And uh, every day, or almost every day, weather permitting, we try and and walk around the block, walk around the neighborhood, walk around for a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour, just to go outside, get some fresh air, get some exercise, and we're walking around the block. We go to the bridge, and we're feeding the horse, and the kids are like, hey, can we go over to the train tracks? and I'm like, sure, let's go over to the train tracks. And we're walking and we're walking, and we're walking. And then all we're going down this like nearly deserted wooded, wooden, like forest area type road. And yeah. as we're going down the, the road, I see this big old dog limping towards us. And, and I immediately, like I'm grabbing the kids' hands. I'm like, stay still. This dog might be angry. This dog might be vicious. We don't know this dog. It, Eleanor's like, I don't want to go pet him. Like, we, we don't know this dog. We need to be careful. And the dog just, just, so I'm like, stand perfectly still. Like it's a T-Rex in Jurassic Park and shit. Yeah. You know, stay perfectly still. And this dog just walks right up to us, collapses on our feet, and is just panting and rubbing its head against us. Oh, and I immediately noticed that, like, dude, you've got cuts on you. You look like you've been abused. Looks like you've been in fights. And also, I can see your rib cage. You are starving. 
and you're panting and you, you can barely walk like, okay, fine, dog. You can, we're going to walk back home if you want to follow us. That's fine. We can get you some food and some water and you can maybe rest a little bit. So the dog came over and, and we gave it water. We fed it. And the next day, Natasha took it to this great little animal hospital nearby and they said well uh the dog's not chipped the dog has never had any shots the dog is severely malnourished holy shit did you hear that what was that that was i it sounded like a transformer exploding outside because all of the lights flashed everything just went out and then came back Literally, every, yeah, the, the power went out for like a second right when the explosion happened. Holy crap. I wonder what the hell that was. Huh. Jesus. So, so, so for the past couple of days, we've been taking care of this dog. Uh, it's about a year old. And as far as we can tell. We think that the dog was a homeless person's dog. Okay. Because the dog refuses to leave our side. God, it follows me into the bathroom. Yeah, it follows us into the bathroom. It follows like, us everywhere. Like, like he doesn't he doesn't do anything untoward, but he gets so uncomfortably close that I have to close my bathroom door. Like I go to the bathroom in my own bathroom in my bedroom. There's two doors. I have to close my bathroom door. I don't close my bathroom door usually. Yeah. He gets so close. And I'm like, dude, stop it. You're weird. Yeah, the dog just needs he to be. Yeah. Lays his head on my knee, pissing. And I'm like, this is weird. You made it weird. The first night that the dog was in the house, I'm like <clears> petting <throat> the dog and I'm like, I'm going to bed. So I lay down and I'm going to bed. And all of a sudden, I feel something really cold, and I look, and right on the side of the bed, the dog is just there with his head resting on the bed, staring at me. Oh, okay. And, and the dog just wouldn't let me out of its sight. And uh, the other day, uh, Maxwell and Eleanor were playing, and they were playing tag, and they were chasing each other around, and the dog like got in between them and started barking, not in like an angry way, but just like a protection sort of way, and just like we believe that 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 yeah this was a homeless person's dog because the dog is always just like hey do you want to cuddle me for warmth i can protect you from the outside forces you know <laughs> yeah so we so we've got this so we've got this dog now i keep i keep putting shit in his in his head like Natasha goes, oh, this dog is following us everywhere. And I'm like, well, honey, you know, when the dog was riding the rails to San Antonio, he had to protect his owner because, you know, other hobos would be trying to steal his bindle. Yeah. So that, that's a big that's a big problem. Yeah, that's a problem when it comes to homeless dogs. So and then yesterday we got a trampoline. We got it from uh, some outdoorsy academy sports and outdoors yeah and and it was all like like she she ordered it online and it was a curbside pickup touchless curbside pickup and 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 that was nice you know yeah 
so so then we we set it up in the backyard and the the kids have a place to burn off their energy good natasha and I, natasha and i stayed up really late last night and i have a huge hangover yeah just to explain where i'm at right now uh i'm not in the best shape my head is sort of throbbing Last night they did a an all new episode of SNL. Yeah, live SNL at home. It was so freaking weird. Yeah. Oh yeah. It hurt. Yeah. Huh. So I'm I'm quite jealous of you, Bunny, because you're doing good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I, I yeah. I, I don't care if I never have to leave. Yeah, and I've read a lot of articles uh, online lately of 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 uh, like editorials and shit of people who are like, like I feel bad for being fine about this. And, yeah, you know. Yeah, but, it it is weird feeling feeling okay when you see people who are really fucking suffering with it. Yeah, and not able to deal with it at all. It's it's kind of it's got to be akin to what we'll all be feeling later: survivor guilt. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I felt I felt bad after the robbery that I was in because yeah, because. It, you know, I, I was always trained to like in the event of a robbery. Robberies never happen at a bookstore, but in the event of a robbery, just give the give the robber what he wants, get him out the door, make sure everyone's safe. And I did that, and everyone was safe. But there was a part of me that was like, "Damn it, I could have tackled him. Yeah, I could have wrestled the gun away from him, and all of this shit." And I, I I felt so bad for a while that like I could have stopped this. I could have done more and. So, like, yeah, I I imagine, hopefully, when all of this is done, that a lot of us will feel that way. Yeah. I, what I'm hoping is that, it, this is my new hope, is that ev- eventually, you know, things subside, we're able to go back to a normal life, and movie theaters open up. But, problem, everything's been delayed, and there are no movies. So. Yeah. There's like a few months, like a month, a, a few weeks or a few months where all the movie theaters are open and they're just showing old shit. <laughs> because the drive-in, there's a drive-in that's like an hour and a half away and they're still open. And right now they're showing Shrek and Back to the Future 2. Yeah. And it's like, how awesome if that just happened, but nationwide and all the movie theaters are open and we got nothing. So, hey, here's Into the Spider-Verse and uh, Network. <laughs> you know, like, like it's like, oh, that'd be neat. Hey, this week we're showing Raiders of the Lost Ark and Varsity Blues. <laughs> it's like, oh, that'd be that'd be fun. You know, I'm kind of like really hoping for that. So, so, uh, like I'm hanging in there. I'm taking Maxwell's school really seriously. Yeah. 
and and that's been helping me out to have something to focus on that's like not me you know i'm not focusing on myself and that seems to really help especially since now <coughs> like once once a week i'm getting lesson plans for the kids and so much of it is like uh before now i was i was just they gave me a a package of paperwork and Maxwell was doing paperwork. And now it's like, Oh, Hey, it's time for math class. Sort coins in your house. And, uh, can I, uh, use the fewest number of coins to make a dollar. And it's like, Oh, it's reading time. Call a loved one and read a picture book to them. And it's like, okay, I, I can do better than this. Yeah. Because this isn't like really school, so so I've been trying to take it seriously. And my favorite part is that Maxwell does reading, and he's way ahead of everybody else. He's reading like normal books and not good. like chapter books. And then writing, he's really good at writing, and he writes short stories and stuff like that. And then it's time for Steve class, where I spend a half hour just teaching him things I want him to know. Okay. And, and so, like the first day, it's like it's time for Steve class. I'm going to be teaching you important uh, names in the world of Lucha Libre. <laughs> and so now Maxwell knows like, uh, oh yeah, El Santo, that means the saint. He did a bunch of movies with Blue Demon, that means Blue Demon. <laughs> and, and, and then Good. like the day after that, we just spent a half hour discussing the Beatles. Yeah. And, and like... Because he knew he already knew some songs, and he's like, "Oh, I always liked that song. I didn't know that was the Beatles." Uh, on Friday, we spent a good chunk of time just talking about Ed Wood, and, and it just makes me feel so good. You know, I I'm a great teacher. Yeah, is what I'm saying. I, I'm an amazing I, I, teacher. I'm gonna and have we to don't agree. Get paid shit. No, we, we don't get paid a goddamn thing. So so that's helping me from not feeling horrible. And and so like I like I'm upset that my two 18-year-olds left the house and and Natasha was like like putting an ultimatum down. You guys can't leave. This is a quarantine. You guys can't leave. If you guys do leave then then don't come back and so they said hey, we just got to get out of this house and they left and like I'm upset because our family's not 100 percent together yeah but on the other hand it's just nice having less people in the house and i feel yeah. bad about saying that but it is it's nice not having so many people in the house it's it's it kind of fucking freeing so so i yeah I'm i'm trying to be good and so that leads us to our next part bunny yes bunny yes I have an actual piece of good news. Okay. Okay. Cool. Are you ready for this? I think so. Remember before the coronavirus when uh, new things would come out and they were bad and we would make fun of them? Yes. Okay. Um, there's a brand new family-friendly Netflix original sitcom that literally just dropped on Netflix a few days ago. And I'm super excited about it because it looks 
absolutely horrible. Okay. And it's so nice to have a new show on TV that I that that I am excited to hate watch. Yeah. You still have Netflix, Bunny? Uh, we still have Netflix. Okay, good. Bunny, get ready okay. for this. The Big Show Show. The Big Show Show? Okay, that's, that's bringing show. up really, really fucking uncomfortable images already. Okay, so Do the I Big take Show this literally? As... <laughs> yes, The Big Show stars as WWE wrestler The Big Show, who is now retired and is spending more time at home taking oh. care of his wacky kids. <sighs> and his... And his wife, who just wants to have a normal night with her husband. But what? Mick Foley's here? (laughs) There's like 10 episodes on Netflix. I haven't watched them yet because I wanted to do this right. So, Bunny. Yes. Next week. Next week. For Act One. Homework. Uh oh. The first two episodes of the Big Show Show. The Big Show Show. The first two episodes of the Big Show Show. Yes, we are going to watch those, oh and then we're going to come here on of the podcast, and we're going to talk about them. I hope they're as horrible as they are in my dream. Well, right off the bat, I've always hated the Big Show. Yeah. Like I, yeah. Like he never had any kind of personality. He was just a big guy, and that was it. And there's yeah. no great wrestling, and there's no great anything. I've just always hated the fucking Big Show. Yeah, understood. Oh, this is gonna be rough. He, yeah, he's 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 not. He's never been the best. You know. Yeah, but. The idea of the big show starring in a family-friendly sitcom, that that looks to be just the right amount of horrible. Okay. You know? Hopefully. So, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Who knows? Maybe it's wonderful, but I sincerely doubt it. So that is homework for next week. How long has it been since we've done homework? You know? It's been a while. I I, yeah. It's got to be at least a year. Yeah. So that's exciting. The first two episodes of the Big Show show. So that's for next week. Uh, yeah, and that's all I've got for Act One. I'm really hungover. (laughs) But but that's but that's fine. Uh, I I'm hardly drinking at all. So when I do drink, you know I. I, I I I only drink when like I I know my my wife doesn't work and we've got we you know we don't have anything to do and it was it was just the perfect storm yeah but, like it's Saturday night you know let, let let's drink a little bit and hang out we ended up just like ha- hanging out and talking for like hours it was so much fun yeah you know, like I'm hungover but it was worth it cool. That's- so that's so that's it for uh, our weekly coronavirus um, ad libbed introduction. 
next week we're going to be talking about an all new Netflix show that looks to be shit. But <laughs> funny, we've still got a, a a full show here. We need to talk about uh, George W. Bush. We need to talk about uh, uh, praying. We need to talk about uh, a lot of things. But before we get to that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay. I, I, I agree. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. I know you were. And break. Break. Your father's mad, it's a mercy. May the gods pity the man who is in his callousness can remain sane too. Satanic. You prayed and believed your whole life, and here you are. Explain that to me. What do you say to people that are offended by your show? Because you pray to Jesus in every episode. If we disown him, he'll disown us. A 12-year-old watches his mother dying of cancer. A God who would allow that is not worth believing in. Life is really a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury and signifying nothing. Name? Uh, Wheaton. Josh Wheaton. Philosophy 150. You might want to think about a different uh, instructor. Come on, man, it can't be that bad. Think uh, Roman Coliseum. People cheering for your death. I am Professor Radisson. This is Philosophy 150. I would like to bypass senseless debate altogether and jump to the conclusion which every sophomore is already aware of. There is no God. All that I require from each of you is that you fill in the papers I've just given you with three little words. God is dead. Mr. Wheaton, is something wrong? I can't do what you want. I'm a Christian. If you cannot bring yourself to admit that God is dead, then you will need to defend the antithesis. Think of Jesus as my friend. You think Jesus is God? I don't want to disappoint him. So your acceptance of this challenge may be the only meaningful exposure to God and Jesus they'll ever have. But to me, he's not dead. I don't want anyone to get talked out of believing in him just because the professor thinks they should. Mr. Wheaton, are you ready? We're going to put God on trial. Do you think you're smarter than me, Wheaton? Do not try to humiliate me in front of my students. In that classroom, there is a God. I'm him. This experiment is over. You get to decide who the most important person in your life is. Me, Professor Radisson. But I have to do this thing. Like it's something that God wants me to do. I, I can't just turn away from it. You just want to ensnare them in your primitive superstition. What I want is for them to make their own choice. That's what God wants. You have no idea how much I'm going to enjoy failing you. Yeah, but who are you really looking to fail? Me or God? God's not dead, he's surely alive. He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. God's not dead, he's surely alive. He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. Science supports 
his existence, you know the truth. So why do you hate him? It's a very simple question. Why do you hate God? God's not dead, he's surely alive. He's living on the inside, rolling like a liar. And we're back with more of the Popon film. Buddy. Yes. Are you ready? Are you ready for another exciting episode of Bunny versus America's favorite podcast segment? Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you jazzed? Are you psyched? Are you primed? Are you ready? Are you ready and raring to go? I, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> Let's do uh, this shit. <laughs> okay. I was going to take it as a yes either way. <laughs> uh, well, then, without any further ado... It's time once again for another ins exciting installment of Bunny Versus. And now here is your host, Bunny Williams. Take it away, Bunny. And with all of this, we lost Bernie, too. Yeah. And we are stuck with the other rapist, basically. Yeah. So, you know, good times, good times. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. getting more and more apocalyptic each day. And now you have people yelling yeah, at like, you that you have to vote for their rapist. But what's really pissing me off is like, it's, it's like not only like, even if you say, okay, I will eat the shit sandwich. Okay. They're not yeah. happy until you tell them it's delicious. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? It's not. It's not. I mean, can can we try to be a little fucking honest? Yeah, like 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 the the Biden bros get angry that you're not excited about voting for a senile rapist. Yeah. Like what's wrong with us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how dare we? Yeah. And it's it's very annoying. So So how are you? That's that's so that's how are it. You, uh, honey? Well, we we're gonna have four more years of Trump. That's how I am. Uh <sighs> yeah. they they don't get the message and apparently they don't want to get the message, you know, that yeah. we want somebody fucking decent. You know, and like, I can't say that the election was rigged. All I can say is like, it's really funny that we got the guy that they said we were going to get before he even said he was running. Yeah. Strange how yeah. that works out. Okay. He had a one in 20 fucking shot. We had 20 people on that goddamn stage. Yeah. You know, and you cannot find a single person who says, oh, no, I, I've been with Biden this whole time. No, yeah. for everybody, right? he's not my first choice. He's not even my second or third. If everybody's saying that, how the fuck did he win? I have no fucking idea. Curious, I think. Yeah. You know, so that's 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 it. And uh, there's no way he wins against Trump. 
Trump is going to Absolutely shred him. Not. Yeah. So, Barely. you know, thanks for that. I mean, this this shows me clearly, clearly that the Democratic Party doesn't fucking care. It's it's yeah. all it's all just bullshit and showboating, you know, and ripping up pieces of paper that doesn't fucking matter or sarcastically clapping and never actually doing anything for real. Yeah. It's all all makeup and grunting her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. fucking exactly. You know? So there we go. You know, we're going to have four more years of Trump, but on the bright side, the health and health industry was saved, you know? Yeah. Hooray. And that was the important part. The healthcare industry. Hooray. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, you know. it's, it's, it's also fucked up. Yeah. Bush, uh, Trump is the president of the economy. Yeah. He's the president of businesses. He's not the president of the people because he obviously doesn't care if they live or die. No. And he's made it clear now that it, he doesn't care if we live or die. But yeah. Yeah. look at how hard the Democrats are fighting back. Do you see exactly. it? Exactly. Do you see? Yeah. It? Yeah. yeah no, neither yeah. do I. <laughs> yeah. I'm not seeing them screaming and yelling how horrible and monstrous this is. Oh, they'll make some comments, yeah, but they're not like fucking. You know. Okay, something's monstrous is going on, and that's it. You're just gonna say it's monstrous, and you're just basically gonna let it keep going on. Yeah. Okay. Really you know, but, showing some, yeah. Really showing the the true colors of a lot of liberals. Yeah, I don't expect me to take you seriously, though. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and you want my vote, but you you won't give me anything. You know, it's just that like want. like yeah. somehow I just owe you my vote. Yeah. You know, and that's assumed. That's assumed because it's, it's Trump bad. Well, you know, you don't care about Trump being bad because you're making a lot of donation money because Trump is bad. Yeah. So... So goes the state of our world. I think it's time for a third-party progressive movement. Yeah. I think I think if we are not able to do it in these times, then it's something that is strictly impossible to do. Regardless. You know, you look at progressive issues and how they're polling. Medicare for all polls very high with the American people. So does $15 an hour. So does free college. This all polls very high with the American people. 
And funny, we're not getting that. Okay. America itself is a progressive country. Our leadership is not progressive. Okay. This is, this is the problem. We had, we had the beginning of this race, fucking 20 democratic candidates. Okay. And that was split from progressives, those pretending to be progressives, and Amy Klobuchar. Yeah. Okay? Who, Amy Klobuchar, I I probably said this before, like, Amy Klobuchar, like, I really, really hate her politics, but I like her. Yeah. Okay? Because out of all of them, she at least is honest about her politics. She's like, I'm a centrist. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, She's- M- Medicare for all. No, I just don't believe in it. And I'm like, okay, well, your politics suck, but like, I, I believe you. <laughs> yeah. You're telling me exactly how you feel. And I can appreciate that. You're not getting my vote, but I appreciate that. Yeah. But we had a bunch of false progressives and it was like, oh no, well, we can't have Medicare for all. We can have Medicare for alls or or something else, and this is my program and blah 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 blah. You know, and if you notice each one you would start having them having them surge in the polls, you know. Yeah, and yeah. as each one would start trying to distinguish themselves from Bernie Sanders, and they moved further to the right, that's when their surge yep. ended. Yeah, for each and every one of them. Why? Because we want the progressive platform. Yeah, that's what the American people want. And even centrists. We'll try to fake it. It, it. It's amazing that that people are dying from this uh, virus, and they're not getting adequate health care, and people are sick left and right, and yet people are still, and yet Joe Biden is still. Oh well. Medicare for all. Uh, uh, if if you, he's always so like angry. Joe entitled. Biden. He is fucking entitled as shit. Well, if you want Medicare for all, why don't you go vote for Trump? And it's like, fuck you. Yeah, and how do you are? Are you really so stupid that you don't see how these things do not go together? Yeah. Really. Do do you think Trump is is talking about Medicare for all? Why would you bring up something so so fucking stupid? And he does the same thing on environmental questions too. Like, are you going to ban fracking? Oh, you want somebody to go ban fracking? Well, you could just go vote for Trump then. What? Yeah, like like fuck off. What is this gibberish Dude. that's coming out of your mouth? And why yeah. is why is this acceptable? 
you know? And I love the new thing going around. I love the new line of shit going around. Like, you, you, you're not voting for blah, 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 blah. You're voting for who replaces Ruth Bader Ginsburg and this whole list of things. And I'm like, and you think this guy's going to do it? You want yeah. you want this guy replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg? You want the guy who fucking put Clarence Thomas in the Supreme Court? Yeah, yeah. You want him to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Are, are, are you psycho? Yeah, like, what's your fucking problem? Not only did he put Clarence Thomas on the bench, okay? He's also the dude who wants to cut Social Security and Medicare. Okay. Yep. He's he's also the guy who already is favors limitations on women's choice. Yeah. He's also the guy who ingratiates himself to Republicans every fucking opportunity he gets. Yeah. He he's the uh Oh, we need to be nice because uh, eventually all of the Republicans are going to, their heart's going to go grow three sizes like the fucking Grinch. Yeah. Yeah. Things will get better if we're nice enough to Hitler. Really. The, the, this, is a, this is a great strategy, people. Yeah. Hey, have we thought about asking Hitler how he feels? Yeah. Yeah. That's where we are, right? And if you and if you dare stop to say, you know what, this is bullshit. Oh, oh, well, you're a Trump supporter. Suddenly, people are calling me a fucking Trump supporter. What's wrong with you? Yeah, just because you don't like Joe Biden doesn't mean that you're a fucking Trump supporter. Yeah, just because he's the presumptive nominee doesn't mean that we all have to like him now. Yeah. And like I've told, and again, see, I've given my reasons before that that I will be voting for Joe Biden. I'm going to hate myself for the rest of my fucking life for that, okay? But I'm going to do it because we have to expose the dictatorship that is going on. And winning yeah, this election like, is the only Biden. thing that's going to fucking do it, okay? But don't tell me this is a good idea. You know, you yeah. said you've been saying on and on and on and on and on that this man is the most fucking electable. Okay. Well, you know what? If you got a candidate who's the most fucking electable, you don't have to yell and scream at people to vote for him. Yeah. You don't have to shame people into voting for him. You don't have to scare people into voting for him. If you got the most electable candidate, you sit back sipping mimosas and you laugh your way to fucking November because your guy's going to win because he's the most electable. Yeah. No, you're just repeating the shit that they fed you and you believed it because you wanted to believe it. You want to believe that they're on our side and they're fucking not. Absolutely not. You know, we are really into two wings of the same bird territory.
and neither one give a shit about us. It's all about the big ass donors. That is it. Yeah. Yeah. The DNC is bringing in a lot of donation money because people are afraid of Trump. Yeah. Well, you get rid of Trump, you kill your cash cow. That's a good point. And since you just gave us... (sighs) Since you just gave this other person to us, Literally to save the health insurance industry. Because that's that's his only purpose. You know, the guy who says even if yeah. Medicare for all gets on. You know, I, I had somebody say recently, uh, well, you know, he's the one who will be signing, signing bills once it's progre- passed by a progressive Congress. And I'm like. He's the one who said that even if it lands on his desk, he will veto Medicare for all. Yeah. So where where are you getting this? Have you not listened to the man? Yeah, where are you getting your goddamn assumptions? It is it is time and, and where I started, let me try loop back around. It is time for a third party progressive party. It's just time. Again, progressive issues poll exceedingly, exceedingly well with the American people. Politicians need to pretend to be progressives to try to get elected. Yeah. It, it seems like everything is there. That if we actually run our own party and pick our own nominee, we'll win. I'd be fine with that. So that is that is my message for today. How do we form a progressive third party? No fucking. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the problem, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and you get, and you get idiots on the left who are also like, oh, well, nothing's going to solve this, but a civil war. Like, okay, great. Where are we getting the fucking tanks, dude? You got a tank? Yeah. Do you have jets? Do you have the really big fucking bombs? We're not going out there with muskets, kids. In your backyard somewhere? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. The only way you do something like that is how it was done before. You go around to your allies and you get the armies from them. You get the army from France, you get the army from Germany, you get the armies from Italy, you get the armies from England, you get the armies from any of our allies that have fucking armies. That's how you do a civil war. 
You don't go running in the street but with your Glock. But Trump has also effectively destroyed all of our goddamn allies. Like that they don't that would only us anymore. that would only make it easier. Yeah. You tell me they don't want to bring them down, but they want to. They want a reason. They want a reason. Yeah. And if we could show that he he is literally violating the Constitution by not stepping down, that's a great reason. Yeah. We've gone into other countries for that fucking reason. We have no idea where our army stands. At all. You know. Yeah. 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 That's something else some guy had told me at one point. It was like, it was like, well, oh man, I forget how it, how it actually came up. But basically, basically he was saying, well, you know, it, worse comes to worse. Trump, Trump does another term and then he has to leave. Like, what's this has to shit? You know? Yeah. Everything that's supposed to be, everything that we were taught how it is, has fallen to shit. Okay? Yeah. A man like Trump is not supposed to be president. All the checks and balances we talked about were there to prevent somebody like Trump being president. So at the end of his second term, he steps down and just goes to jail. I don't think that's happening. Yeah, he's going to do ev- he's going to do everything in his power to stay in office. There are a metric shit ton of of suit lawsuits piled up waiting for this man to not be president anymore. Yeah. Okay. I would rather see that happen 4 years earlier because we've got a planet that's a ticking time bomb. And we need to get to that, but no, we're fucking around with this shit. You know, it's, it's anger making. Agreed. So Biden has to win, but I'm telling, I'm telling people like, you're not giving me shit to work with. I have to somehow sell this motherfucker. To people who don't want to vote to, for him, and you're not giving me anything to work with. At all. You're giving me stupid ass arguments. Yeah. And I would really like you to decide whether you want my fucking help or not. Because they go back and forth on that. Oh, we don't need you. Fine, then stop screaming. Okay. If he was the most electable, you wouldn't need us. But that doesn't seem to be the case, does it? It seems to be a lie. And it seems to be that you know it's a lie. 
or you wouldn't be so out of your mind on it. Yeah. Uh, so what else? Oh, okay. Hard left turn. Hard left turn. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Remember a couple of years ago, there was a, and you might already know this, but, but it was, it's fairly news to me. A couple of years back on Netflix, there was a movie called Frank. Which was about a musician Is it about and the old guy in the the robot? No. And he wore okay. a paper mache puppet head everywhere he went. Yes. Turns I that. turns out that fucking guy is real. Yeah. There is now uh a documentary on him on Netflix. Uh not on Netflix, on Amazon. On Amazon Prime. I think it's called no Being Frank or something like yep. that. And it's it's a pretty interesting story where, you know, this guy is a musician and basically Frank is a character that he made up just to, you know, just to have a gimmick, you know, just like anything else. Yep. Uh, and basically Frank was his number one fan. And Frank was basically the worst fan you could have you know yeah like like that was the character like he he would be misogynistic and he would be just nasty and you know but he was your number one fan you know yeah but then frank wind wound up getting so fucking popular like he would he would he would be on television shows and he was on kids shows and and everything in england or i'm pretty sure it was it was england uh and talk shows and morning shows and frank would be there huh so that was something that's something that you need to check out because that was uh all right i i wrote that down because that that seems in my alley you know I mean, I I liked the movie. I thought the movie was really good because it was just not him, but it was his entire band that in the movie, the way it looked to me is like these are all damaged people and the only way that they're able to function is together. You know? Yeah. That doesn't seem to be the case. <laughs> there wasn't a whole hell of a lot mentioned about his band or anything like that, but he would like kind of lose himself in the Frank character, and there would be times that he would forget that he was not actually Frank. Huh. So that surprised me. That coming up surprised me to just be like, you know, it, it, it's almost like if you wind up one day finding out that Joe Exotic is real. You know, like, oh, give me a fucking break. This guy's not, you know, it's not possible. Same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Same thing. 
So there's that. Uh, Fucking Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic. Do you think Trump's going to pardon him? Probably. I, He'll I, do anything for ratings. Yeah, but like I get the feeling with everybody that that Trump has pardoned. Yeah. And I'm having a hard time actually saying this out loud. But I think he might not pardon Joe Exotic because Joe Exotic is not a terrible enough person. Wow. Consider that. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, that's. That's a phenomenal thing to say. He did not actually kill anybody and then to have pictures taken with him in the dead body. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that's more Trump speed for, for who he pardons. Yeah. And with as disgusting as a human being that Joe Exotic is. I don't think he's disgusting enough to, for Trump to pardon. What a what a phenomenal thing to say! What, what, amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 frightening, and frankly, yeah. I don't. I, I really am confused about how I would feel about it, even if he did. You know. Yeah. Like part of me is like, oh, okay, we get to follow this lunatic more. What's he gonna do next? You know? Yeah. And like the Tiger King really needs to be put to sleep. He is not a good person. He's hurting real people, you know? Yeah. Like, he would be totally awesome if he were not real. You know? Yeah. Like a fictional character. Yeah. If he, which is why we love, we love Rick from Rick and Morty. Yeah. You know? Same thing. Not an actual, yeah, not yeah. an actual person. Yeah, he's not an actual person hurting other actual people. Yeah. So, so there's that. Um, I don't know. I'm really kind of expecting Cthulhu at any time, you know, cause uh, yeah, why no, not? no, that, that wouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. Go outside and he's there and, and people just go, well, that's typical. Yeah. About time you showed up. Yeah. Just, right? just like we should yeah. have seen this shit coming. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I think that is about it. I think I've I've annoyed myself enough at this point. Yeah. You know? Uh the world is a horrible, horrible place and it's just not getting any better. And no, and people who you thought were on your side or 
just not anymore. So, hey, that's the new reality. Yeah. Hooray. So until next time. Um Yeah, just try not to go start barking mad, okay? Uh I think that's yeah. I think yeah. that's the best we could do in these troubling troubling days. Yeah, fingers crossed. And cut on that. Cut on that. Bunny! Yes. I'm really proud of how many times I say your name on the show. Yeah. Just want to take this time to say it's like I'm getting paid by the bunny. <laughs> you know, it's a very strange pay payment system I have here. Yeah. Anywho, if you're like me, then you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. Who is it? But only a real true fan of the show would know two things, two fundamental truths about us, America's hottest couple, Bunny and Steve. Yes. First and foremost, the one thing that they would know about you, Bunny, is that you are, in fact, the lead singer in a Fleetwood Mac tribute band. In fact, the wallpaper on my computer is you on stage during a show. And and I know I've said this a million times before on the podcast, but I'm just going to say it again. You are a handsome-ass Stevie Nick. Yes. I, I, I thank you. I've worked really, really hard on my Stevie Nicks impersonation. Uh, yeah, do you think, I, I, do I think the band deserves you, that. Do you think that you could grace us with a little bit of your Stevie Nicks? Right now, here on the show, a little bit, a little bit, just a little bit. Um, wait a minute, baby, stay with me a while. You said you give me love, but you never told me about the fire. Now, you got a picture that I am doing heroin while I sing that. Yes. Okay, because it, it's important. It's part of, like, like being a cover band. Cover bands are a dime a dozen. You have to go that extra step where you really get them to embrace the same band that you want them to embrace. So it, it, there's a lot more theater and theatrics involved going here. Uh, you know, the, the guy who's covering the Lindsey Buckingham part can puke on cue. You know, so Very. that's really good. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll shoot up heroin to entertain a crowd. No problem. Nice. I am a dedicated you are performer. A showman. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's how serious you take your craft. That's right. When you're a yeah. jet, you're a jet all the way. Yeah. And the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it. But I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do at this part of the show is I like to get a piece of history from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too much about, and then reword it via my own unique storytelling style. And that's what this is. Another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations! Dun, dun, dun. 
or Shap, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name Shap. It's short, it's cute, and it's blunt. It's like if Danny DeVito was a kitten. <laughs> Anywho, this week on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be discussing America post 9-11, a 13-day mili- military exercise gone hilariously wrong, and my new favorite American hero, retired Marine Corps, Corps Lieutenant General Paul Van Ripper. All right. A hero and a patriot and a goddamn national treasure. And I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> I know I'm free. This story is goddamn amazing. And I am absolutely shocked that more people don't know about this and that they haven't made a movie about it yet. This is a story that's so goddamn good. I can't wait to tell you and everybody about about Paul Van Ripper, my homeboy. I absolutely love this story. In fact, I love the story so so much. I am straight up abandoning the script. I'm going scriptless. Because I have I have dove. I have dived so deep into this story that that I've read so many articles about it and I've seen a lot of videos about it and I'm comfortable winging it. So here it goes. All right. America post 9-11. Okay. okay. People were totally okay with giving up freedom and privacy in order to be, quote, safe. Yes. A very strange period in time where it's like, hey, we were attacked once and we could attack again. So I'm absolutely fine with the U.S. government spying on me. Oh, and and Joe Biden did push for the Patriot Act. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, uh, he absolutely did. So uh, this story happens in 2002. So it's been a year since 9-11 came along and George W. Bush was... uh, ready and raring for a war yep and uh, so he he had found a way to pin the 9-11 terrorist attacks <laughs> on just the middle east in general yeah. iran and iraq they were the bad guys and uh were they did they do 9-11 and let's say yes was basically george w bush's uh, stance. Yeah. And so uh, Iran and Iraq, they were like, dude, America, don't fuck with us. If you want a war, like, we'll give you a war. And then so George W. Bush said, all right, all right. Well, if, if you, you don't know about America and how strong we are. And so we're going to show you and we're going to show the world what America can do. So they did uh, some war games. They did a military exercise. And it happened between July and August of 2002. And it was called Millennium Challenge 2002. Uh, It's also known as MCO2. It cost a lot. It cost $250 million to do this military exercise they went to like this this foreign country this like beach 
and uh, they they set aside 13 days for a military exercise. Okay. So uh, this was this was meant to show the world that like, hey, the U.S. Uh, we will crush Iran, Iraq, the Middle East, anyone who fucks with us. America will just dominate, just absolutely crush you because we have the latest technology. We can see where the enemy is. We can send drones and robots. We have sonar. We have radar. We have spying technology. We have the latest <coughs> technology, and we can absolutely decimate your tiny little country. So they set up two teams for this military exercise, blue and red. There was the blue team, and there was the red team. And the blue team was America, and they were proud. And so the red team were the bad guys, the foreign country with the smaller army. And so they're there in this beach, and uh, they're doing this somewhere. They're doing it somewhere. So the red team was supposed to be Iran and Iraq, and they were on the beach throughout the land. And the blue team, America, had all of these warships and all of these battleships, and they were somewhere on the coast, somewhere in the ocean, ready for the for Millennium Challenge 2002. Okay. okay. So, so they're like, we have the blue team, we have the red team. We need someone to uh, run the red team. And so they hired retired... Marine Corps Lieutenant General Paul Van Ripper to lead the red team. And they're like, okay, you're going to be the red team and, and, and you need to try and defeat the blue team. And the blue team will try and defeat you and take your weapons of mass destruction and free the people. This is the goal. But the thing is, is that Paul Van Ripper was known as a maverick who played by his own rules and that's why they hired him. They said, oh, well, this guy's kind of like a loose cannon, so he'll be good to run the red team because that's, you know, we need someone who would think like Iran and Iraq, and this guy's kind of uh, a crazy maverick, so you run the red team. But what George W. Bush and the U.S. military didn't realize is that when you hire retired Marine Corps Lieutenant General Paul Van Ripper to be in the your war games, that motherfucker plays to win. Okay. This motherfucker came to the dance to win. So Paul Van Ripper's like, all right, so it's my team, the red team against the blue team. They're out there somewhere in the ocean. We don't know where they are. Okay. So let's think about this. Let's think about this rationally. What do we know? He's there with his people. Like, what do we know? We know two things. Number one, the blue team is going to try and spy on us, and we need to stop that. Okay. That, that's, that's one thing. That's number one. So, so whatever we do, we need to try and, and do it so that uh, – the blue team can't spy on us, number one. Number two, the U.S. will try and attack first. Because that was George W. Bush's thing at the time. Uh, uh, like, uh, yeah, shoot first, ask, ask questions later. 
preemptive yeah. strike. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. That was George W. Bush's thing. Like, hey, uh, this country hasn't done anything, but it might. So we better attack them before they attack us. That was their that was their way of justifying like going to foreign countries and just bombing the shit out of them. Like, hey, they were going to attack us. Yeah. So that's why we attack them first. It's it's white America's way of justifying uh unprovoked aggression <laughs> against uh brown people. So so Paul Van Ripper is like the US is gonna attack first. So we we need to stop that. And we need to do it secretly. So this is what he did. He went World War II on the blue team. Because the blue team is like, oh, we're here in this massive battleship with the latest technology and radar and sonar and these robots and all of this shit. And we're ready to attack them because they don't have the latest technology. So we'll easily be able to find them. So Paul Van Ripper's like, well, shit, let's go old school. Hey. Send this handwritten letter via motorcycle to my troops. Okay. So he has he has all of his troops sending messages by motorcycles, and the blue team's like, we can't we can't pick them up. We can't pick them up at all. And but then the blue team's like, well, that's okay because uh, eventually they're going to have to talk to the planes. And we'll be able to pick up their uh, radio frequencies. So we got this. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, we're going to beat the red team. So the motorcycle delivery people, like this is all like 1917 and shit. Yeah. The motorcycle delivery people goes goes to like the the people in the airplanes ready to go. And the note just says, okay, we will be talking to you via lights. Okay. And that's what they did. Like, like, like they were doing Morse code with lamps, and the airplanes would fly without radio. And it absolutely freaked out the blue team. They're like, damn it, we can't spy on them. I, I don't know what they're doing, but we absolutely cannot spy on them. We have no idea what they're doing, where they're going, shit. And so uh that caught the blue team by surprise, number one. Number two. Before the United States struck, because they weren't sure where the all of their fleet was, uh-huh. the red team wasn't sure where the blue team's fleet were. So the red team sent out an ultimatum. And the ultimatum is like, you have 24 hours to surrender to the red team. Otherwise, you will be decimated. You have 24 hours to respond. And so the blue team said, huh, they think that they can... That they can uh, defeat us? Well, great. Let's move our fleets to the beach. So that when the 24 hours is up, that's when we can start our attack. And Paul Van Ripper's like, oh, look, they just brought all the fleet to us. So uh, we're not going (laughs) to wait 24 hours. We are going to attack them now. (laughs) And And so he totally just fucked with them. And uh, the war games, which were going to take place over 13 days, ended in 24 hours. They lo- the red team launched a surprise attack on the blue team's fleet. And it is said 
that if the war games that happened were a, a, a real war, then the red team would have killed roughly 200,000 U.S. soldiers. Okay. Paul Van Ripper absolutely decimated the blue team because the blue team was like, oh, we've got the latest technology. And, the, and so Paul Van Ripper was like, well, what if we just don't use technology? And George W. Bush and America wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like if people are fighting with drones and futuristic shit and then suddenly people are just jumping from the trees with, you know, swords. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, no, we're supposed to fight with technology. Put down that club. <laughs> and also he when when he attacked, he he uh he he didn't use any computers. He didn't use anything that would be able to be found by the blue team. He's just like, okay, we've got these old school tanks. We've got these We've got these uh, ground assault rocket launchers that people, you know, that you have to like, you know, fire in the hole. And and yeah. the blue team wasn't prepared for that. And he absolutely won in 24 hours and decimated basically America. So the government, so uh, George Bush and the government said, okay, great, great, great. You won. Well, we're going to reset everything and <laughs> okay. do it again. And Paul Van Ripper is like, wait, 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 wait. I won. This is over now. And George W. Bush is like, yeah, you won. But look, we have 13 days that we set aside to do this training exercise. So uh, let's just use that 13 days. We're going to reset everything and do it again. So... Paul Van Ripper's like, okay, I'm a little bit confused about that because I won, but okay, I guess we can do this again. But when they redid it, the fix was in. Okay. So the U.S. government's like, okay, we're we're gonna do this again. It's gonna start now. And Paul Van Ripper's like, great. Well, uh, yeah. So let's do this. And the U.S. government is like, yes. But here's the thing, uh, Paul. The blue team gets to attack first. Okay. Paul Van Ripper's like, wait, what the fuck? No, absolutely not. And they're like, sorry, but but blue team attacks first. And he's like, damn it. Okay, fine. Well, then uh, when they attack, we'll attack them. And the U.S. government's like, actually, actually, Paul, um, you don't get to attack back. Mm-hmm. At all. You don't get to attack back until after the red team is done attacking you first. Then you can. <laughs> and also one of the goals is is the blue team has to uh, find and take away the red team's weapons of mass destruction. And it the blue team absolutely couldn't find it. And they were doing a good job hiding their weapons of mass destruction. And so, uh, the George W. Bush is like, Hey, 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 uh, Paul, Paul, 
Paul, can I have another word with you? Um, your weapons of mass destruction, the red team's weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. Uh, the blue team is in charge of it now. Okay. No, so no real points uh, in an Paul exercise Ripper, here. Yeah. Eventually, Paul Van Ripper realized, like, wait a second. I show I showed you guys up and I, I, I pointed out how flawed your military is. So you've just reset it. And now this is basically professional wrestling. You're giving me a script and you're telling me what to do. So Paul Van Ripper said, you know what? Fuck it. And he gave up. Okay. Like, this like like if you want me to compete in a military exercise, then I am going to compete. If you want me to be fucking John Cena and and this is all pre-planned and fixed, then just fuck you. This is bullshit. So yeah, uh George W. Bush did a war game slash military exercise to show off American military might, but it blew up in his face. So he redid it and had it all scripted. <laughs> That's afterwards, insane. Paul Van Ripper afterwards Paul Van Ripper was asked to comment about it by the government the government is like well that was a great exercise paul would you like to comment about it so he wrote a 21 page critique about how horrible millennium challenge 2002 was and the article was such a harsh critique that once he wrote it the bush administration uh, uh classified it okay he classified he classified Paul Van Ripper's 21-page critique, and he classified the entire training experience. This actually wow. happened, and it's really fucked up. Yes, it is. And it says a lot about the Bush administration, Republicans in general, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of the shit that Trump is doing right now, like... Like people look at George W. Bush and go, "Oh well, he, man, he he was so great compared to Trump." But it's like I don't know. I feel like Millennium Challenge 2002 is George W. Bush and the Republicans doing the same sort of shit that Trump does now. You yeah. know, this is this is all rigged. This is all a game. This is all fixed. This isn't real. This is all bullshit. Paul Van Ripper is a, an American fucking hero. Mm-hmm. I would agree. And I am blown and I am blown away that they haven't made a movie about this. Because this is this is such a movie. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah like a lot. Yeah. It's very much yeah. a movie. Yeah, this is some amazing cinematic shit. And I know I say this usually at the end of almost every uh, Steve's historic approximations. I am surprised that more people don't know about this. Yeah. Because this is an insanely wonderful story. Millennium Challenge 2002. Incredible. Google that. Wikipedia that. It's amazing. <laughs> a marine general led a fictional Iran Iranian army against the US military and won. Mm-hmm. And, and but that then is, if you start to cheat, how is how are you how are you 
helping anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nothing at all. In no way. In no way. That's the bit. It's like, how is yeah. that helping? That's not helping anything. You, you lost. Figure out why you lost. Yeah. yeah, absolutely lost. The world it's itself incredible. makes no more no sense anymore. Absolutely. I 100% agree. So that's it for Steve's historic approximations this week. Next week, I have no idea, but we'll figure it out together. Yes. And cut on that. Bunny, yes. we still have a movie to get to. Probably oh the greatest God. movie ever. God, do we have a movie to get to. Oh. Unfortunately, we still have a movie to get to. But before we get to that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should. I, I think I think a, a break is needed before diving into this one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do, 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 and break. Thirty spokes join the hub, but in its emptiness, the hub provides the function of the wheel. Mix clay to make a jar. Esteban, it's not enough to be angry. It may come as an unpleasant shock to you, Michelle, but I'm not scared of black cats, Friday the 13th, or walking under ladders. Look, look out! selling rare books, in the course of which I've gained a great deal of knowledge on witchcraft and the occult. You know, I know this great Armenian restaurant on East 54th Street. Concentrate, please. Great look 
fucking chick. <laughs> so maybe sometime we'll see each other. Look out! But my pop. Look out! I'm even beginning to wonder about the rare books. Honey, listen. What you call insight, I call a knock on the head that I got when I wrecked my car at 160 miles an hour. And we're back with more of the Pope on film. Bunny. Yes, Bunny, my friend, my brother, my secret lover. It's time for the third and final act of the Pope on Film podcast. And for those of you that aren't in the know, it is said third act wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our all new low price, same great taste, but with half the calories movie of the week. And so this week, we are pretending that movie theaters are still a thing as we rip on a fucking Christian movie with a look at the heavy-handed 2020 string of cliches known as I Still Believe, or as I like to call it, Spinal Tap for Virgins. <laughs> I, I, I like that. I approve. Thank you. I was hoping that you'd like it. Uh, what an amazing movie. It, I really felt the spirit. Uh, I cried so many times because I've never seen another movie before. And so all of this was new to me. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot more when it was called Wild Guitar. I'm telling you. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And who so was this guy? Is he from something that I should know? Or or are they just making generic Christian clone characters? Okay, so Jeremy Camp is a real person. He's in his like 40s. He's had a massively successful Christian music career, and this is a true biography of his life. I'm sorry, his said, life is so cliched. <laughs> yeah, I've never fucking heard of the guy before now. So yeah. I, I, I looked him up on Wikipedia to see, like, this is 
this is a guy, right? This is a real person. And yeah, he's a real person. And this is his true story. The guy who they got to play Jeremy Camp in the movie is uh, Archie from Riverdale. Uh, okay, that's why he looks so familiar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking Archie. Because I watched the first fucking season Archie. of Riverdale and just never went back. Yeah. Yeah, so that was so that was Archie with uh, dark black hair. So, Bunny... I'm getting paid by the bunny, so... Bunny... I see... I have, throughout 2019, I saw every dumb, stupid Christian movie that came out in theaters. Because of my AMC A-list, I was desperate for new movies. Mm -hmm. I was so desperate. I was so desperate for new movies that I would regularly go see Christian movies, like Unplanned, Run the Race, Breakthrough, Overcomer, and whatever other shitty Christian movies get a, a widescreen release. And the thing that I liked about it is that I wouldn't go see it once it came out because all of the Christians in my small ass town would go see it and, and there'd be like massive, the theaters would be packed, but I would wait a few weeks so that the theater was empty enough so that I could sit in the back and live tweet the entire film. Yeah. Because of that, going to see a Christian movie was always a lot of fun. Because I'd be live tweeting it, and like, I remember when I was live tweeting unplanned, people were like, "Holy shit, some dude is watching the the anti-abortion movie right now and live tweeting it." And and it, <coughs> it, it, it was always a lot of fun to go into a theater, and I've had some edibles, and yeah, let's let's rip on this fucking Christian film. But being so Christians, was, they look, know how to suck the joy out of fucking everything. Is what yeah. you're saying. This is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Yeah. So I was excited to see this movie in theaters, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I was exciting. I was excited to see this Christian film. I was looking forward to going to see uh fucking the Jeremy Camp story. Yeah. But uh because it, ripping on Christian movies is always a lot of fun. Well, movie theaters are now all closed, which is fine, and I have no problem with that because I hardly ever go to the movies, right, Bunny? I mean, I only no. saw three movies a week every single week since 2018. So, yeah, I'm fine, Bunny. <laughs> Everything's fine. <coughs> so, I... <coughs> so... I was actually happy about going to see I Still Believe until fucking COVID-19 closed down all the movie theaters. How interesting that an act of God stopped this movie from being in theater. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that being the major stop. hit that it should have been. Yeah. But to be fair, to be fair, I Still Believe is a wondrous movie. Because I legitimately found myself praying during the film. Oh, really? I was watching the movie. And yeah, I was praying during the movie. And I thought that the movie wouldn't move me. Because I'm like this uh, evil, liberal minority heathen. And so I'm, I'm like, ah, this movie's not going to touch my heart. It's not going to make me pray. Not at all. 
And but halfway through the movie, I was <coughs> sitting there with my hands pressed against each themselves, pointing up to the heavens and whispering quietly. Dear God, please let this shitty movie be over soon. Yes. yes. Please, Lord, please make this movie fucking stop. So I did pray during this movie. Yes. So uh, what an amazing film to get me to pray is what I'm saying. How amazing is that? But again, like you also say, it's not like it's a horrible movie. Yeah. It's I think, okay, I, I, think... I, I have to leave the airport for this, but if we were in a dentist's office, this okay. would be this would be acceptable. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, I I think the thing with Christian movies is that Christian... Yes, buddy? I didn't think I did. Maybe it's all the the teens who have been cooking lately who fucked with everything, but no, I didn't mess with anything. So, I think the thing is, is that a lot of like fundamentalist Christians and born again Christians and like the serious hardcore Christians, they see Christian movies and they think they're amazing because they only see Christian movies, you know? So all of the people who see, I still believe who are Christian are like, Oh my goodness. That's such an amazing movie. So beautiful. I love it. I'm going to take my grandmother to go see it. And it's like, yeah, to them, this movie is incredible because they haven't seen the 30 other movies that are this exact, exact same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, so I, I mean, even the synopsis of the movie itself is just boring. Yeah. Like, the movie might be better and more interesting. If the music was memorable, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you a single goddamn song that was in this movie. Yeah, that that certainly would help. Uh, and they also like like for a movie with damn little plot. Okay, how did yeah. they manage to rush through? Like, like there are a couple of things that I missed and didn't feel like going back to catch. And I'm kind of surprised I missed it because I would think they would make... I don't know how he got famous. I have no idea. All I know is that we come up to a scene and he's playing in front of this huge fucking crowd. Yeah. Yeah. I would think that that would be a point in the movie that you might want to pay a little bit more attention to. And put in a yeah. little more detail. And, no, and then there's, there's a scene where he's he gets into a fight with his friend. I don't know why. And then in the next scene, everything's okay. Yeah. Well, uh, the friend was a fairly successful Christian musician. Yeah. Who had the 
uh, feelings for the girl that Archie ends up dating. And so they're like back and forth. It was like, oh, so you were dating her and you didn't tell me, Archie? <laughs> and then eventually, oh, but you're a good guy. Hey, I'm, I'm glad you guys are, are all right. But I think he got famous just because he snuck in to his concert and talked to him, this actual famous musician. And it's just all about, I don't know. Like, hey, I'm a famous Christian musician. Do you want to be one too? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And there's absolutely no characterization. All Jeremy Camp is in this movie <coughs> is just, I'm taking care of this woman. Yeah. Oh, she's dead. I am sad now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, so, so this movie. Let's, let's give it a quick synopsis, okay? Because yeah. then, then people will truly see how pointless and ridiculous. Young boy from small town travels to big city college with guitar, becomes famous, falls in love, but uh-oh, she has cancer. Yeah. I, I, I've seen that a million times. I've seen that movie. Yeah. Yeah, nobody needs a bunch of times nobody needs to see this movie you've you've already seen it yeah yeah e even yeah you could you could just read that synopsis and you would end up writing at least half of the movie yeah 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 and like i'm you know i'm so, really not getting it you know i'm uh, you have had like thousands of people pray for her because you keep bringing it up in your concerts. Okay. She, she goes into remission. And they're like, it's a miracle. It's a, the doctors don't understand why. Like, yeah, they do. It's called fucking remission and it happens with cancer. You yeah, know, it does. And then yeah. guess what? Six months later, she's fucking dead. <laughs> you know, I mean, th th this is not a surprise. I bet you she stopped seeing her doctor because God healed her. Yeah. You know, and well, now she's dead. So, so like, I I'm not seeing exactly. I'm, uh, I'm not seeing the Christian whacking material that we usually do in these kinds of movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, because really, it's showing right. that your God is pretty much an abject failure. Yeah, uh, this movie's all right, but it's no Christian Mingle the movie. No. Where's Kevin Sorbo? Gary Sinise is no Kevin Sorbo. No. It says a lot about the movie when Gary Sinise is the worst part of the film. He's got to be somebody's friend. Yeah. It says a lot about the movie that Gary Sinise and Shania Twain, you see them on screen and you're like, ugh, these guys again. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, Shania Twain's in the movie. She has gotten... 
chubby, curvier. In the same way that the that that uh, uh, the black dude from Reno Nine One One has gotten fuller. <laughs> so she she's Shania Twain is in the movie going, "Look at me, I'm acting." And you know what I was thinking? That don't impress me much. <laughs> That's a Shania Twain joke. That's a Shania Twain joke. I'm no, and I'm really proud of myself. So I still believe 2020 film that came out right before the pandemic closed all of the movie theaters. Uh, fun fact about the film: the movie came out like right in March and was in theaters for only two weeks before everything got shut down. So the movie went from opening in like thousands of theaters to being in everyone's homes in just two weeks. Yeah. It was only in theaters for two weeks and then it immediately shot straight to TVs, which uh, scares me. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing about these movies, the thing about these Christian movies is that when you say a Christian movie, that means that this is a movie just for Christians. Yeah. This is a movie that's only for the devoted to stay devoted religious propaganda. So if you're already religious, then yeah, this movie is probably inspiring and you'll really like it. But if you're not religious, this is the slowest goddamn movie I've ever seen. Yeah. How can an hour and 55 movie feel like three goddamn end games? <laughs> I know so I had to really... keep taking breaks during the movie or I, I was just drifting away because it was like nothing like I had to fight to keep my attention on this movie. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. Yeah, this is the this is just boring, uninspiring, slowest goddamn movie that has ever been made. And you know, Slow. on top of it, like like don't bother doing any fucking research, okay? She had cancer. Just yeah. Plain vanilla cancer. You know, not like pancreatic cancer or breast cancer. I mean if they chose breast cancer, I would I would consider it a rather bold move for a Christian movie, you know. But but no, it was just cancer, you know. And the only real indications you have that this is real is that there's a doctor and she shaves her head. Yeah. I just had a great idea, Bunny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Christian walk hard. Christian walk hard. Okay. This movie could have been the Christian walk hard. Yeah. Because it's so cheesy and it's so... It's it, it almost feels like a parody of other movies. Yeah. Like... You know, like like this feels like a parody. Yeah, uh, of your typical boy meets girl story. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is we do 
a walk hard, but from the life of Carmen. (laughs) That guy who was real popular in the 80s. Remember, he was all over the place in the 80s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And then came his his tragic addiction to cough drops. Yeah, yeah. Such a good idea. Okay, so I still believe is based on the life of real-life Christian musician Jeremy Camp, who apparently, uh, it, it's, it's, it's your typical love story. A uh, young guy from a small town goes to a college, sees a woman that he finds attractive, and stalks the poor woman. <laughs> yes. Until she marries him, probably so that he would leave her alone. Does anyone else feel think that it's creepy to be married by your father? That's creepy. Uh, to me. I don't. I don't know. Married to your father, I could agree. Yeah, married, married to your father. You know, like, you get just a good the idea discount. of Gary Sinise marrying his son and just going, son. You may now kiss the bride. And I'm like, ew. (laughs) I don't know. There's something about that just. And also they got married on a beach. That's very white of you. Yeah. Yeah. Camp is roughly my age, which means that this movie is technically set in the 90s. I was really upset that. Sure, you see someone hand someone else a cassette tape. Yeah. And sure, when you go into uh, the the soon to be dead girl's dorm, she has one of those one of those neon thick ass Apple computers, one of those ones that were like neon yeah. and huge, yeah. And they had a handle and shit. Yeah. But but I think I would have liked the movie more if they if they leaned more into the '90s setting, have everyone using snap bracelets and listen to CNC Music Factory. Yeah. You know, everybody <laughs> does now. <laughs> I I try and find positives in everything and in every movie, even a movie yes, that do. shit. I can come up with something. The soldiers' costumes were very realistic. That's a compliment. So I will say that um. Uh, New Zealander K.J. Appa, otherwise known as Archie Andrews in the CW teen drama Riverdale, sings his own, is, sings all of, all of the songs in the movie. Really? I, when you see, when you, yeah, when you see Archie singing, he's not, he's not being dubbed over. He's not, you know, it's not someone else singing for him. He's doing all of the singing in the movie. And I'll say Archie has a nice voice. Yes. Unfortunately, none of this music is anything to write home about. It's generic, boring, easily forgettable shit. That's the whole movie. It it's felt a million. It felt very it's, made for television, including the music. Yeah. yeah. And it's like this guy's like a like one of the most celebrated Christian musicians of all time. Like, really, I, I. None of these songs are, are are in any way memorable. No. At all. You know? And this whole movie is just a million tropes from a million other more well-done movies, but this time around it's Jesus. Is it? Yeah. 
And yeah, you mentioned you mentioned like like the Christian movie Secret. They're not all a hundred percent bad. They're mostly middle of the road. They're fine. They're okay. But the devoted see these movies and say, "Oh, this is the greatest movie of all time," and you just think that it's good because you haven't seen enough movies yet. Uh huh. You you stay in your like Christian bubble. And you don't come out of it. So sure, this is a great movie to you. Mm-hmm. It's like that review. It's like that wonderful review I read of the movie Joker. It, if you've never seen an ocean, of course a stream seems huge or something like that. Yeah. You know? like Of course, if the last movie you saw was fucking... If the last movie you went to go see was uh, The Passion of the Christ, then yeah, I still believe it's going to be, you know, one of your favorite movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this movie was written and directed by the Irwin brothers. They are Christian filmmakers and they've made a few movies. They've done okay. They've never really made a name for themselves. But then in 2008, they released a movie called I Can Only Imagine. Uh, and it was about another uh, Christian musician. Okay. Did his girlfriend have cancer? The yeah, it, it, it came out in 2018, so a year before this movie. Uh, I can only imagine it cost $7 million to make, and it made $90 million in the box office. Lionsgate has had released it, and it was such Lionsgate. A hit for Lionsgate. That was that was what I, I'm glad you brought that up. That fucking shocked the shit out of me. That what? it was Lionsgate. Yeah, yeah. So Lionsgate released. I can only imagine because it's like, oh, they, you know, this will be Christian movies, or you know, they always do okay. Maybe we'll break even. And I can only imagine did so much beyond its budget. That Lionsgate signed the Irwin brothers to a multi-picture deal. And so they and so I can only imagine is about the writing of apparently the best, the the best selling Christian song of all time. The most successful Christian song ever written. It sold the most. It was played the most on the radio and like whatever the fuck. So, so yeah, so I can only imagine was such a big hit that I think that what we saw, I still believe, was their attempt to, hey, that last film was a hit. Let's just fucking do that again. Yeah, but this is still the house of Saw. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean. It's, to be fair. I still believe is to Christianity what Saw is to horror. They're both extremes in yeah. their world. You know what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm trying to... I, I, I think so. Yeah, okay. So I'm not fully sure myself, but I don't know. I see similarities between the two. Yeah. Saw is the horror what I still believe is to Christians. And, you know, at least Lionsgate 
is an equal opportunity studio. You know? Yeah. A little bit of everything sprinkled in. So, I still believe cost $12 million to make, so the budget got bigger. But it only made $10 million in theaters before all the theaters closed. The the thing about I still believe, and, and Christian movies in general, I don't trust any film that Ned Flanders would have seen in theaters twice. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So... I, I, I have a hard time with, with with all of these Christian movies, but I mean, it wasn't bad, but it also wasn't good. No. A lot of times people say, oh, Christian movies are so bad, but it's like, I don't know. This was shot beautifully. They, I mean, I mean a, a bad film is everything bad bad sound bad lighting bad acting bad script bad editing bad sound effects bad music you know like like uh manos the hands of fate birdemic like these are all bad yeah and that's the thing about christian movies is is that like i don't know the settings were nice the 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 two main people, the actor and the actress, they're trying, but they're not bad actors, and the music isn't bad. It's just all very forgettable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very, because it's it's all just control. You know, it, it's like it's 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 almost like the script is almost like a Mad Lib. You know where. <laughs> Yeah, where yeah, once Christian you Madeline. once you got country boy with a guitar falls in love with cancer victim, you can fill in the blanks in between. Yeah, pretty yeah. No, you easily. Yeah, you absolutely can. Like anyone can. Like like One. Maxwell could fill out this script. Yeah, probably. His would have more dragons and demons, but actually, I would like to see Maxwell's version, which would perk it up considerably. Yeah, like, and take and some like chances, Jeremy. And it's and it's all like it's like in one scene she cried. I think she cried in just one scene. And she like had to hide herself away so nobody could see her cry, you know. But like other than that, they didn't like deal with her having cancer, you know, and how they feel about it and how she's trying to get through it and everything. It's it's just so like, you know, you're you're just a puppet. Just regurgitate these words. You know? Yeah. Because you're a brave Christian and you don't you don't you're you're cool with dying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely fine. One hundred percent. You know, I, I mean that that's yeah. really a big thing that's missing. I mean if 
if we actually got some, into some drama of how terminal illnesses affects you and the people around you, you might have something a little more interesting than you have here. Yeah, probably. Because basically everything was still great because we're Christians. Yeah. What, honey? Well, I was saying that the actuality of the cancer, I watched my but they didn't just oh, it's in remission and then stop going to the doctor. No, my grandfather fought. He fought tooth and nail. Like, he went to another country to try experimental stuff. Oh, shit. He, he, uh, he, 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 Andy Kaufman there. Yeah, like, he yeah. was, he went to doctors and he tried everything. Even in remission, he didn't stop trying to get it gone. You know? Yeah. And that was no no use, and, and he still died of fucking cancer. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Christian, don't just be, not all of them are like, oh, well, I guess Jesus is ready to meet me again. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta fight that shit. Yeah. And I'm really glad, though, I'm really glad that, that, God sent him somebody to bang while he's waiting to die and be rejoined with her again. Yeah. Yeah. Hooray! Yeah. Hooray! Because he's on the record as saying that. Sorry. And, like, his new wife knows that shit. Yeah, that's gotta be awkward for for his new wife. Yeah. His second wife. That, that that's probably a little bit awkward there. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, it's nice of God to go like, "Hey, Jeremy, it's God. I'm sorry I took your wife, so I'm gonna send you some snatch <laughs> from South Africa." Uh huh. Some South African poon. <laughs> So, so that's all I've got for this week, Bunny. It, it it's more than I thought I would have for I still believe, but I, I think it's more than enough. Uh, it's certainly more than it deserves. <laughs> yeah. So let me explain to you uh, what we're doing next week. First okay. off, uh, another reminder: homework. We're watching the first two episodes of Netflix's new family-friendly sitcom, The Big Show Show. Okay. It's like, hey, what if we got a wrestler you didn't fully like and made him do his own version of Full House? Doesn't that sound great? No? Well, we're Netflix and we made it anyway. <laughs> because we don't do ratings, so fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. So they're so they're ramping up creating stuff, but it's less of 
we're going to create amazing new content. It's more of just, we're going to throw shit at the wall. Yeah. 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 So, so, uh, so we have homework for next week, the big show show. Let me tell you about the movie we're doing next week. I got, I randomly chose four movies that I had on my computer and I put them on (coughs) a poll on Twitter. And I said, which one of these four movies would you like us to discuss on the podcast? And it was a random assortment of films. And I, I did the voting for like weeks and we got, I think, 30 votes. 30 votes? On Where? what? Yeah, we got we got we got about 30 votes. I think it might have been 28, but we got a lot of votes over this past week on what movie we should do for the podcast. OK, so. uh uh four movies number number one no in last place was the 2017 movie slaw okay so it's a badly done parody of saw but centered around coleslaw and all of the actor it it was done ridiculously (coughs) cheap and all of the actors are old wrestlers it's okay. a professional wrestling themed coleslaw parody of the saw movie no one wanted us to do that and that film only had 10 percent of the vote uh in third place was the 70s film deathbed the bed that eats yeah about a bed that gets possessed and uh what's his name pat oswald has a wonderful uh, a, a whole, a whole like ten minutes of comedy about how horrible this movie is. That yeah. film got twenty percent. With a with in second place with a surprise. I, I thought this film would get in first place, but in second place was the new movie Sonic the Hedgehog. I really thought that that one would win, but in first place with forty percent of the vote is the bizarre seventies film. Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. Okay. A real departure for Godzilla. That movie got 40% of the vote. So, next week, we will be doing the 2017 professional wrestler coleslaw-themed Saw parody, Saw Slaw! Saw Slaw. Slaw. S-L-A-W. Just to be clear... We are doing the movie that got the least amount of votes. Okay. Because it upsets me that so few people voted for Slaw. And I'm like, no, damn it. We're watching this horrible Saw parody with wrestlers. (laughs) As far I've seen clips of it. I've seen parts of it. It's really bad. Where did this it voting is... take place? Did I miss something? What happened here? Wait, what'd you say? Where did this voting take place? Did I miss something? What happened? It, it was it was on Twitter. It oh, was on okay. Twitter. I just did it. I did it on Twitter. Just I and, and I. Yeah, no, we got a decent amount of votes. And I know that you've always wanted to see. Uh, Kevin Nash and 
Ernest well, I've always Cat wanted to, I've always wanted to see Kevin Nash with any kind of deli meats. Frankly. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So this is a horrible horrible movie. It sounds And it's it's got a 3.6 out of 10 on IMDb and it doesn't even register on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> But it's a coleslaw-themed Saw parody. And it looks to just be the worst. We are doing that next week. It's already on the cough cough waiting for you. That's what we're doing. I, I, I've got to see this reaction. Uh, I'm kind of sorry that we're audio only. So, honey, yeah. the next movie that we're doing is a coleslaw-themed parody of the movie Saw, starring professional wrestlers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is this a real thing? This is a real thing. This is next week's movie. I, I don't know. I have to see what file <laughs> format he's got it in. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, Genie is so excited. Why does he movie. make you watch these movies? I, I, I think her mind is sufficiently blown yeah. by the very concept of it. Yes. Okay, well, well I, I thought that this might happen, so this is what we're going to do. Next week, we're going to do Slaw, and then the week after that, uh, CBGBs. Okay, there we go. Now we're talking because I was actually just about to yell at you about that. Yeah. So, so like, yeah, in the I, middle figured, of the pandemic, I figured that you have like, nothing to do. Why haven't you watched fucking CBGBs? Yeah, I figured like I I forced you to watch the Jeremy Camp story and this <laughs> weird professional wrestling coleslaw horror movie parody. We could do CBGBs. It, it's <laughs> it's been enough time and it's already there. So, so yeah. yeah, but, but in order to get to CBGBs, we've got to go head first into slaw. We, we have to, we have to go through the pain. Yeah. We got to go through slaw. So sorry about that. <laughs> so we can get through this together. So that's next week. Next week, the big show show and slaw. It also, it, it, it's really good synergy because it's a movie with wrestlers and also we're going to be watching the big show show. Yeah. So it, it makes a lot of sense thematically. Yes. Yes. So that is next week. Next week is going to be exciting. Slaw. We're tackling a movie that not a lot of other podcasts have done because people don't know this movie exists. Well, we, we have done that quite a bit. I, th- I I would have yeah, to say yeah yeah not a lot of people covering slaw but we have the testicular fortitude to get her done yeah consume Prilosec <laughs> so that's next week but now that I'm looking back at this week uh, the highs and the lows the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Millennium Challenge 2002, Jeremy Camp, G-shish. Yes. I gotta say, I think this has been a pretty good episode. I, 
I have to say that any episode where we do not infect anybody with coronavirus is a damn good episode. Yes, absolutely. 100%. And, and it, not for a lack of trying. Yeah. I've been trying, you know, it, it, when we started this podcast in 2014, we said that we were going to do this podcast with one goal to infect everyone with coronavirus. We were ahead of uh -huh. the curve again. Yeah. You know, we were ahead of the game. This podcast has but killed I, I, less people than the president. Yeah. Yeah. Less people than we've killed less people than Donald Trump has. Uh -huh. But yes, I agree with your assessment. I concur with your assessment. Good, sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steve. And on behalf of Natasha and Eleanor and Maxwell and everybody else in the house, I want to say thanks for listening. And we will see you next week, you godless heathens. And your Mewtwo. And, uh, okay. Do 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 do